0: You can do that too. Turn them on, take them out. And then also on the back of your bulletin, there's a blank. uh, It's always there. It's there for sermon notes because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you want to write down what he's saying. There's a pen in front of you. So get your uh, your Bibles out, your sermon notes out. We're going to receive from the Lord today. Whenever we do anything for our young people, part of what we want to do is connect uh, students to God. That's what we want to do. And so we were thinking, how are we going to do that at the AC launch? And we believe that God wanted to do it through the power of of the Word, sometimes through worship, sometimes through a prophetic service, but we wanted to do it through the Word. We believe that's what God was wanting to do, and so I began to think, who, are, who can we have come and preach the Word? And there's a name that came up over and over again as I asked around, Chris Estrada. you got to have Chris Estrada. Have you heard Chris Estrada? He's so anointed. And, and so I, I, I went on YouTube, and I watched Pastor Chris, and uh, I want to tell you, he is a powerful testimony, a powerful anointing. I just, I'm, I'm falling in love with this guy. He is awesome, and today he has a powerful word for you. Would you give him a big welcome as he comes to minister to us this morning?
1: They were just asking me, what did you put on YouTube? And I'm like, I have no idea what's on YouTube. You know, there's times we'll get stuff emailed to us, or I'll get tagged in something. And someone said, do you remember this? I'm like, I don't even remember doing that. I don't even remember being in that city, you know, that kind of thing. But, man, as long as it's blessing somebody's life, that's all I care about, right? Hey, thank you so much for letting me be here this morning. We had a powerful time last night. I believe it's just the beginning of this volcanic eruption of revival that's going to come through young people uh, in this region. And, and I feel like there's, this house is easily going to be an engine for revival. I think God's positioning you in certain key areas uh, uh, to have influence. Come on, I'm talking about a third great awakening. I'm not talking about more conferences, gatherings, meetings, and services. I'm talking about young people walking in holiness that hurts the eyes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm talking about young people that walk with supernatural power and authority. And uh, and I I love this generation. I really do. I'm a student of church history. If you wanted to, you could call me Professor Estrada, but I wouldn't let you. Um, I'm just a kid from the hood. (laughs) I really am. I'll tell you my story in just a second. But I, I love I love the great moves of the past, I really do, and I know there were a lot of fathers and mothers of, of, of revival that, that actually were, were stationed, and literally God stationed them right here in this region, but I don't want to recapture what God did in the 80s, and I'm not trying to get back to what God did in the 90s, I want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this generation today, both young and old, are you with me? So this is what my heart burns for. Uh, my, uh, my, I talked to my wife this morning. She said she's praying for you all. Uh, if you knew her, that means something because I feel like she's more holy than I am. I, miss, I'm, I feel carnal around my wife. <laughs> um, uh, but let me just tell you my story because I'm orig- uh, I know that I'm not necessarily from here. This is my, actually my first time in the Chicago area. I know your airport really well. Like I fly through O'Hare all the time. Um, I know where every restaurant's at. I know, I know it that well. That's pathetic, but I know it that well. Uh, but I've never actually been uh, to this region. But I, I, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Does anybody know where El Paso, Texas is? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I got some hands. You'd be surprised. There's people in Texas that don't even know where El Paso, Texas is. Okay. They're like, that's in Mexico, close. It's right there on the border of Texas and Mexico. And so I grew up in in, in extreme levels of violence. You probably heard about the border violence where there's a lot of shootings and kidnappings and drug trafficking and all the drug cartels are fighting for territory. Well, that's all my family. (laughs) All right? I'm not lying. I've seen them on Gangland, Cops, America's Most Wanted. I honestly thought about watching America's Most Wanted through college because I was going to turn one of them in so I didn't graduate with debt. <laughs> this is what it is. This is how we roll. That's how we grow up. You got to make it out somehow. So what you can imagine I grew up with that kind, kind of lifestyle. So I had an anger problem, a lust problem, had an anger issue, heavy anger issue. But I love... To play basketball. Did anybody love to hoop in here? Come on, still do. Maybe at one point in your life, you did or could play basketball. (laughs) I love to play basketball. And and, and I went to this church to play all the time on a Wednesday night. And they had a gym, just like you had. And I'd go in there and play. And then they would shut down the gym. And they'd say, all right, everybody get into the youth ministry, get in the youth service. Well, of course, I would sneak out and I would go find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor was amazing. He noticed when I was not there. And so he came up to me several times and started getting involved in my life, asking me questions. And, and one day he comes and says, hey, Chris, do you want to go to church camp? And I said, hey, is there going to be hot women there? know, <laughs> I'm a 16-year-old little pervert. I have no idea what I'm saying. You know? And he said, uh, and he said, uh, he said well, w- well, that's not where we're going. We're going for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. Yes, I would like to go to church camp. <laughs> well, I didn't realize it, but on the first night of that camp, I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I got called into ministry all in the same night. Come on, can you give God glory? I watched a drug addiction fall off my life. I watched him do great things in my life. From that point forward, I went on to Bible college and uh, it was in the middle of my season there that I found myself in a great opportunity uh, for business and, and I helped streamline the internet sales process for luxury car companies in the DFW area for their, their market, for uh, Rolls-Royce, Maserati, Mercedes-Benz, Land Rover, Jaguar, Lexus, every luxury car company we represented except uh Lamborghini. And so that, we made financial goals that most people retire at. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. Uh, and I remember we were doing fine. This was great because I, didn't, I, I never knew you could make this much money. The only way I knew how to make this much money was illegally. And, and they were paying me in a check. I was used to it coming in like a pillowcase <laughs> stashed under a car <laughs> and be there at 10 to pick it up. You know what I mean? Just pick it up and keep walking. And so I I remember all this security's coming, and then the Lord calls calls on my wife and I. says, you know I I called you to ministry. He said, now I need you to be a missionary. Sell everything you have, give all your money away, and move to Sri Lanka. And I said, you sell everything you have. You give all your money away. And he said, son, I need you to do this. So we did. We sold everything we had. And we had everything we owned literally could fit in two suitcases, and we got on a plane and moved to Sri Lanka in the middle of a civil war. Don't you love his timing? And uh, that's sarcasm. Yes, that's spiritual sarcasm right there. Yeah, nobody's going to hell for spiritual sarcasm. So I I, 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 I remember going and, and I remember mortar shells blowing up down the road from my house. I remember us going in some of the terrorist areas and we would be shot at. Uh, I remember staying in my hotel and you'd hear this bang and it was a suicide bomber that tried to come into the uh, hotel to bomb the hotel because we were American and that group did not like Americans and there were hostile Buddhist mobs and Hindu extremists and all this stuff and and people were they were going in the churches and and uh, burning down churches with the people alive they would chain the doors and and people couldn't get out they would die and and uh, (laughs) it's a great vacation spot if you ever want to (laughs) go But God was raising up his church, and we went there to relaunch a church with a friend, and it just seemed like a Holy Ghost takeover happened. We saw daily salvation, signs, wonders, healings, miracles. They were walking in the hospitals, and people who had had been hurt by a landmine or had been uh, run over by something, limbs were growing out, and cancer was falling off people's bodies. They were recovering. In a day, God would just do this, like, surgery uh, on them without even opening up, and doctors would go in and say, there's nothing wrong with you. What happened? I mean, that was happening in a Buddhist nation. And today, the church's four campuses strong all over the country. It's, it's literally impacting the country. It's amazing. Well, then our time would run short there. We'd come back to the United States, and we'd take over a youth ministry. And and this is where my heart and passion is. I love this generation. Been serving and praying for them for 15 years. And so I remember when I took over, uh, again, it just seemed like this eruption happened. And we had this sweeping move of God come through our young people. Our young people would, uh, they would go stand in the line or stand in the pharmacy aisle and wait for people to pick up their prescriptions just so they knew who to pray for, who needed healing. They would go, and they, one of them, I don't, they didn't even ask me for permission. Come on, how I many you know God doesn't always ask for permission? <laughs> they just said, hey, let's just go do something. They're, this is their idea of a fun Friday night. They would go to this uh, yogurt shop that we had around this busy uh, town square, and they put up this sign that said, Free Spiritual Readings and Dream Interpretation. And people, they had a line around the corner uh, and people would come in and they were just operating the prophetic in words of knowledge and they were casting out demons and they were healing the sick and they were leading people to Jesus. And they were there were 13-year-olds putting marriages back together at a yogurt shop. Now, that's God. I'm telling you right now. You know, they're praying for let God, what God duct tapes together. He's not going to cut and separate. You know, that, that's, that's the teenage way of crumbling. But I'm telling you, it was powerful. There was something on it. And I would rather pastor that than some dead, carnal, flaky youth ministry. Are you with me? It's, it's When you have to contain fire, that's a great problem to have. And so we just had this move. Well, then I'd get a call from Christ for the Nations Institute, and they would say, hey, would you come and take over here and raise up that kind of leader here? And uh, and my wife and I, we've been there for five years. We have been married for almost 12, and we're expecting our fourth baby. And I see all these babies around here. Yeah, thank you. You're You're, you're clapping, but we were not. Um, <laughs> because I'm not gonna lie. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. Listen, I take it. I'm gonna keep it real this morning. All right, I, I'll tell you that right now. You can trust Pastor. I'm gonna be. Uh, you trust Pastor Chris? I'm gonna be honest with you. My wife called me. She says I need to talk to you right now. Uh, now you know when your wife says that, she caught you doing something that you're like, Hey, that was ten years ago. I was a different person. Or you know, you know, I was like, What did I do? I'm going through like, What did I do? What did I spend? Who? What did I not say? You know, did I forget something? And uh, we met, and uh, she she, handed, she said, hey, go give your daughter a kiss, and my, my littlest is two. And uh, I walked over, and she said, best big sister. And I said, that's misspelled. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, it's not. I said, are you serious right now? She said, that's what I said. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I love children. I really do. I can't live for a generation and not, have, not help supply another generation. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I tell you, I don't believe children are an inconvenience to my American dream. I believe they're dreams with legs and God begins to use them all over the planet. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Well, listen, I I, I feel a prophetic edge all throughout the weekend, and especially this morning. And and as I was praying and meditating on what to get into, I just want to take a few short moments and just minister to your hearts. I feel like uh, this church and especially I feel for the school as well, but I really feel for this church um, uh, that you have been practicing on lower level devils for far too long. And I feel like God's readying you for some giants. I I feel like you need to elevate your expectations. There needs to be a growing anticipation that God is ready to move whenever I say He can. Are you following me? Now, The way I say it like that is the only person that can stop God moving in your life is you. And what you need to understand is there's a different season. I feel like God's marking a new season in this house. I feel like he's giving you a new, a new dimension of understanding. And I'm not talking about new revelations that are flaky and spooky and weird. Because I'm tired of spooky weird. I, I mean, I've, I've had people come up to me and, and uh, they were... I had someone hug me last week. You're going you're to laugh at this. I think the weirdest people are in church. And they come, and this one girl, this one woman, she hugged me. She said, I've been praying for you for six months. And I'm like, hey, hey, you just tell me that. Like, this is personal space, all right? No one is allowed or invited into this personal space. You know, and she, I've been praying that you would drink water from a rock. All right, get off me. Get, I told her, all right, get off me. I just, I, I, because listen, I'm watching a generation that doesn't trust the church anymore because we're weird. Because we're not relatable. And I feel like what God is going to make, begin to do in this hour is begin to make you and your life relatable. Are you with me? And he's going, you're, going to have, you're going to carry more than just an anointing. You're going to carry an authority. I feel you have to understand an, author, anointing comes quick, but authority takes time. And I want to see the church walk in authority. Are you with me? Somebody say yes. All right. So like Pastor Darrell said, turn on your Bible to Daniel 6. If you open it, that's great. If you turn it on, that's wonderful. Daniel chapter 6. And for the sake of time, find 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to move pretty quick this morning because I want to get you out early. Because I know Chipotle opens at 11. All right? <clears throat> I had Chipotle yesterday. This is the first time. I'm not going to lie, Pastor. That's the first time I had Chipotle ever when I traveled. It was a spiritual experience for me. Yeah, it was uh, because everybody wants to take me to this restaurant and this fancy place. And I'm like, man, let's just go to Chipotle. You, you got a burger somewhere? <laughs> you know I mean, Of course, you can tell how long it's been since I've had a cheeseburger, but whatever. All right, Daniel chapter 6. Are you there? Somebody say yes. yes. All right, don't go quiet on me. Come on. Come on. The church should not be quiet. Come on. The Word of God deserves a response. I always say this. If you like your church quiet, you do not want to go to heaven. Because it's gonna be loud. There's gonna be one Mexican up there making as much carne asada as possible and praising as loud as possible. So you might as well get used to your church being loud this morning. Are you with me? Somebody say yes. Yes. All right, all right. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel's been carried off to Babylon. And Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, is the ruling empire in the entire world. And several times Daniel is tempted to defile himself. Uh, But he stands his ground, and I, I appreciate someone who's got a backbone. I'm not talking about opinions. I'm not talking about obnoxious sayings. I'm talking about a backbone to stand for spiritual truth. And so he won't defile himself. And uh, and not only that, Daniel is gifted. He's a dreamer, and he can interpret dreams. And not only not only this, not only is he gifted and talented, but he operates in some class, in some character. I've met a lot of gifted people. We were talking about this yesterday. I have met a lot of talented people. But what I have very, what's very few, what's very rare, is gifted and character. I'm telling you, if you want to begin to do great ministry, I know this is the Bible college over here, right? Because y'all look like Bible college students. If you want to begin to do great ministry, don't worry about your talent. Worry about your character. I promise you, character will open bigger doors for you than your talent will. I promise you. This is the way I've gotten there. And so he operates in this and earns the trust of the king. But watch what happens here. Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to take several detours, but just stay with me, all right? Follow along. Let's go on a journey together. Verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, that means rulers, right? 120 rulers to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was to be one, that the rulers would give an account to them, so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself, everybody say distinguished himself, say it one more time for me. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the rulers because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king even gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now look up at me for a second. Here's Daniel. It says, Daniel distinguished himself. How did he do that? <laughs> have you ever wondered that? Have you ever, have you ever read your Bible and it just skips across an important phrase and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need pragmatics. How do you do that? It says, Daniel distinguished himself. Well, Daniel does this. You'll find this in Daniel one twenty. It says, Daniel one twenty. in all matters of wisdom and justice, uh, Daniel and his friends were found to be ten times greater. Ten times greater. Now listen, you have to understand, who is Daniel rubbing shoulders with? Who is he getting positions that other guys wanted? Right? These are, listen, you will not find a better education system in the day than Babylon. Than Babylon. So these guys, these advisors, these rulers, these, 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 uh, these councils, uh, they would come in and these guys came from the best schools. They were born in the right families. They came from the right background. They had everything qualified. Their resume was perfect. And yet a slave boy with a covenant with God is found to be 10 times greater. Are you seeing this? That would be like if I was an attorney and I don't have Uh, If I was an attorney and someone walks into a courtroom and they don't have a law degree, they didn't get their JD, they didn't do any of that, and I I, I graduated from, you know, I went to Harvard Law, and I graduated with an expression in Yale and all that kind of stuff. My sister's an attorney, so Uh, we graduate from all these things, but someone who doesn't even have a law degree is ten times better than you. How many of you are going to be frustrated that you spent half a million dollars on your education and you're not better than somebody who has a prayer life? Are you following me? This is exactly what's happening with Daniel. Now watch this. Look at verse 4. So the governors and the rulers sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Jealousy. Wow. It's ugly. Look at this. "So So the governors and the rulers sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said... We will not find a charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Let let me say it like this. The only thing they could find guilty, that Daniel was guilty of, was that he loved God too much. I pray the only thing that you're guilty of is that you have an incredible hunger that never goes away for the presence of the living God. Are you with me? And listen, you know you're doing good ministry, not when the church is mad at you, but when the world has a bone to pick with you. That's when you know you're in the plan and will of God sometimes, right? Let's keep reading this. Look at verse 6. So these governors and rulers petitioned before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the rulers, the counselors, advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree by signing the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius, sign the written decree. Let's pray for just a moment this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of expectation. I come against poverty mindsets. I come against limits and restrictions. I say they're being lifted off of your life right now. That you would rest your presence on us, God. We are ready to see the unexpected move of God. Hit our homes. Hit our jobs. Hit our campuses. Hit our institutions, God. That you, That we would have the kind of moments that we cannot plan. Give us exactly what we need this morning, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. If you're taking notes, I'm calling this message, Distinguish Yourself. Distinguish Yourself. I remember uh, when uh, my wife came to me one day when we were in Sri Lanka, and uh, this is after several uh, scary moments, as I described to you earlier. She came up to me and she said, listen, I feel like the Lord's telling me something. I said, well, what's he telling you? He said, I think he wants us to start having kids. Remember the war zone. Remember the mortar shells. Remember being shot at. Suicide bombers. And she comes to me and says, "Hey, I think we should start having kids." And I'm like, "Babe, they're trying to kill us, and you want to make more of us? This this is not two plus two equals four. All right, it's going to be like two plus two equals three and a half because there's a chance that you and I will not be here after this. You want to make more of? us? I just feel like this is the Lord. So she said, she, "I said, listen, I'll pray about it." Now, listen, let me help you out if you're new to the church. And whenever somebody says, I'll pray about it, that's normally the Christian, no. We just don't have the heart to tell them no, right? But it's normally no, right? So if you come to pastor and say, hey, pastor, I've had people come to me and say, hey, pastor Chris, can we do this? I normally start off with bless your heart. Let's pray about it. Let me tell you what bless your heart means. That's stupid. I'm just trying to help you out. Get involved, build some relationship. Let's get some things, some synergy here, some understanding, right? So, bless it. So, so my wife comes to me and says, Come on, let's think about having kids. And I said, Well, bless your heart. I'll pray about it. <laughs> so, so, I do what any man of God would do in this situation I won't pray about it. And I did it. God would bring it up for two weeks. He would bring it up every morning when I would get in my prayer closet. He would bring it up. Hey, let's talk about your kids. And I would be like, no, let's talk about revival. Let's talk about what you're going to do on the island of Sri Lanka. Let's, and then and he'd come back the next morning. Hey, let's talk about your kids. No, let's talk about how we're going to send in new ch- t- uh, teachers in the church. How are we going to launch out campuses, that kind of stuff. He'd come back. Let's talk about your kids. I'd be like, no, let, let's just begin to dream a little bit. God, I want to dream with you. I'm Jesus juking Jesus, okay? This is, this is huge. And so I remember... I remember on the 14th day, I'm walking into my prayer closet. I feel this shout in my spirit. The Holy Spirit shouts this to me. I walk in and he says, I need your son on the earth now. I remember, you you ain't got to yell at me like that, Jesus. Okay, you could just say that. I'm willing to bet that when you were born, all of heaven was saying, they're on the earth now. I'm willing to bet That when this church was established, I'm willing to bet that all of heaven said, Finally, it's on the earth now. And I believe that you are standing in a now moment. He didn't need you 40 years ago. He needs you right now. Are you with me? And you would need to start distinguishing yourself. God needs you on the earth now. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your season. I don't care what color hair you have. Gray hair, brown hair, no hair. doesn't matter. God needs you now. You have not outlived your dreams. It's time for you to outlast your fears. It's time for you to outlast your insecurities. Even outlast your excuses. God needs you now. Everybody say now. Now. You know, I have found that this journey with the Lord is full of uncertainty. But I find that God's best is hidden in the surprises that we call inconvenient. I'm telling you, He needs you on the earth now. If we're going to distinguish ourselves, you need to understand this. He wants to make you ten times greater. Number one, He wants to make you ten times greater. Ten times greater. I remember feeling intimidated by this. In fact, this was in Sri Lanka as well. I'm full of Sri Lanka this morning. I remember I was. uh, uh, I took a day off with my wife and there was this elephant orphanage that was just down the road and they would rescue elephants uh, and they would put them in this orphanage and raise them and people would come from around the world uh, to see these elephants. Well, there was this one particular elephant that drawed everybody's attention. It was this elephant that had stepped on a landmine and blew its leg off. And the, re- the rescuers had gotten there and, and rescued this elephant and saved its life but could not save the leg. But people were amazed that this elephant could walk with three legs. So people would come from all over the world. I mean, I, it, you know, they, they would, I, there, if you've ever been out of the country, you understand there is the local rate and there is the foreigner rate. The local rate is like 50 cents. The foreigner rate, you have to finance $3,000 just to get into the thing, okay? This is true, real talk. You need to, If you have not been on a mission trip, everybody needs to go on a mission trip. My wife and I, we take one every other year with our family, and so we go and and, uh, and we go and hang out. And this is back in the day where we didn't have cameras on our phones. Come on, does anybody remember that? And we had those disposable ones. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you would take the picture and it would snap, and then you would cut open your finger on that rigid piece that zzz, 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 you know that whole thing right there, and then you have to break your other hand just to hold down for a flash, and you hear this. Beep. You, you remember that? And you sit there and you're sitting, you're in pain, but you got that picture. So I'm sitting there and I'm taking this, I'm watching all these, these elephants and I'm mad that I had to pay the, the, the foreigner rate because I live there, you know, and so, but I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to take everyone, I, I'm going to take pictures of this elephant. I might even name the elephant for as much as I, I, I paid. I, I, get, I get some rights to this thing right here. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this herd go by, I'm snapping pictures, you know, the whole thing. And all of a sudden, I see uh, this—the—the—the the, the, finally the third. This elephant comes by, and this elephant's walking like this. You know, this just hobbling like th- I'm not twerking, okay? So just walking like this, all right? <laughs> and he goes, he goes over and and uh, and and I'm I'm snapping pigs because I'm like I paid as much money for this elephant. I'm gonna ride this elephant. I'll break its other leg if I have to. I'm, I'm you know I'm so mad I had to pay this rate. Well, all of a sudden I see the crowd start to leave. And I'm thinking this is why people come is to see this one elephant. Well, I noticed that there's this guy over there. And he said, hey, y'all want to see a magic trick? Do, do you, you want to see a magic trick? So I'm thinking, man, I'm, I want to see a magic trick. So I walk over and this guy tells this kid, he said, hey, pick a finger, any finger. This kid goes, that one. And he goes, uh, and all of a sudden blisters pop out all over his finger. I'm thinking, hey, there's something wrong with that. He says, now watch this blisters pop out all over his hand. I'm thinking, bro, you need to get that looked at. There's something wrong with that. And I remember, I remember uh, he took a doll and he gave it to this woman. He said, hey, turn the arm around back and forth over and over again. And so she went and did it. And I watched his arm bend over three, four times over without breaking. She took the doll and bent it backwards in half. And I watched the back of his head touch the back of his heels. Right in front of me. I'm thinking... And I can remember this intimidating thought, come, and I hear the voice of the enemy. And he says, can you do that? Is your God that powerful? Can you do that? And I remember checking in with heaven. Hey, can, can we do that? <laughs> you ever been there? God, can we get away with that? Like, is that legal? Is there a foul <laughs> you know, in, in that? And I, 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 I remember feeling this, and I feel like the Lord laughed at me. Lord, can we do that? <laughs> That's how I felt. I'm thinking, this ain't funny. Okay? If you've never heard him laugh at you, it's, it's a unique experience. I, I feel like there's many times he watches my life and I do something dumb and, and, and I said, Lord, can we do that? <laughs> hey, Gabriel, Michael, come over here. Look, look at this right here. Look at it. Hey, Chris, say it again. Lord, can, can we do that? <laughs> I love it. That's how I feel my life is sometimes. I said, Lord, can we do that? Because that's powerful. He said, that's not power. I said, yes, it is. Apparently you didn't see the arm thing. Yeah. yeah. And he said, no, that's not powerful. I said, what are you talking about? He said, all that man can do is impress the crowd, but he can't save the crowd. And I think there's a difference. I think what we're doing too much is we're trying to impress those around us instead of having the saving knowledge that Jesus is working on our behalf all the time, even when you didn't ask him, even when you didn't pray it, even when you don't deserve it, he's still working on your behalf. That is how you distinguish yourself. It says that they distinguish themselves ten times greater. Let me ask you something. Are we busy impressing the crowd? Or are we letting the Lord distinguish us? Are we ten times greater? Are we, are we ten times more creative, innovative, intuitive, forgiving, patient? Let, let, let's be honest here. Come on, I, I'm, you said, no, Pastor Chris, I'm patient. Really? Let's watch you in traffic. Let's, up, up and down this, all this construction, meme. Pastor Joe, I've been talking about the, you know, the demonic streets y'all have right now. Um, that's what I'm saying. This is demonic. I, I put a street right here. Man, for all the trouble you went through, I hope they make it in gold. <laughs> I have you 10 times more disciplined, kind, hospitable? Are we 10 times more generous? Are we 10 times more loving? This is how we're going to distinguish ourselves by going above and beyond just like our God does every time in our life. Somebody say amen. Amen. If the second thing, if you're going to distinguish yourself, you have to guard your source. Guard your source. Several times Daniel is tempted. Several times he is tempted to defile himself. Why? Because they know if I can get to his source, then I can cut him off and he won't be as good as he normally is. You know what I find the greatest uh, attack when you're walking in a distinguished lifestyle? Is he just wants you to be busy. If the enemy can't get you to sin and fall into sin, then he just wants you to be busy. Because busyness deadens your spirit. And it doesn't make you as numb. and as, It makes you numb and you're no longer as sensitive to the will and the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Because you're doing ministry things. You're doing, you have spiritual activity, but you're too busy to notice that God is speaking to you. He loved for you to be busy. Guard your source. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to quote, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, I'll quote it to you. It says, for we do not war against flesh and blood, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty and through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now watch this in verse 6, watch this. It says, casting, or verse 5, casting down imaginations. Everybody say imaginations. Amen. Say it again, Imaginations. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now that word imaginations, let me drop some, some knowledge on you for just a second. That word imaginations in the Greek, it actually is the word diatribo. D-I-A-T-R-I-B-O. Diatribo. And it's where we get our English word diatribe. Now this isn't modern vernacular. We're not using this every day. The only time you would use this terminology is actually in a courtroom. And the, when, you would, the, when attorneys go to law school, they understand a diatribe approach. What it means, diatribe means this, a forceful and bitter verbal attack against someone or something. When an pr- attorney would present its case, they want it to be so forceful and bitterly fought that it's against the case or the person that they're attacking. Are you following me? So what he's saying is, is we are casting down diatribes. These are forceful and bitter verbal attacks against you. And what are they doing? Read the rest of the verse. They are exalting itself against the knowledge of God. It literally means this, diatribe, to erase. What they are trying to do, these imaginations, these lies, these whispers of the enemy, are trying to come and erase the knowledge of God off of your life. The promises of God. The goodness of God, come on, the character of God, the faithfulness of God, the authority of God. He is trying to erase those things so that you can start taking your cues from headlines that you see on the news. So that you can start living out of culture. Are you following me? And they are working overtime. I have found, listen, anointed men and women all of a sudden lose their authority because they've come under the spirit of intimidation. And it's just a harassment. Harassment. It's a pestering. It's if if he can bother you enough with this, then it'll eventually grow itself into a worry, and now you're putting faith in your worries and not faith in your prayers. Are you following me? You have to guard your source. You have to watch what the enemy tries to put in front of you, because not every thought that comes in your head is from heaven. I'm preaching better than some of you saying amen this morning. I'll tell you that right now. Not everything that comes across your life was heaven sent and you have to have the spirit of discernment to be able to say, is this going to take me closer to him or is this going to take me further away from him? We ask this all the time in our ministry. Is that sustainable? Can we sustain the move of God through that? Because I don't want to be busy just to look busy. I want to be busy because a hundred years from now when I'm not here, I want to know that what I put my life into is still going to be around. That it didn't take me being around to keep it here because at that point I built my own kingdom. We have to guard our source. You might say, Pastor Cruz, you've got you to back this up for me a little bit more. Do you remember David on the battlefield that day against Goliath? David's bringing some cheese and some crackers to his brothers. Do you remember this? Right? And he walks over and, and in the middle, this go, Goliath gets up and is, is doing what he's done for the last 40 days. He's done it so much that he has diatribed the whole army. Right? He has erased the knowledge of God and put a forceful and bitter verbal attack against the army. And what does he say? He says, listen, your God's dead and he won't deliver you. Send out your best fighter to fight me. And if I die, he kills me, then we'll be your servants. The Philistines will be your servants. But if I kill him, then Israel serves the Philistines. So nobody was man enough to go, hey, that's a giant. We're not doing that. So David walks up as Goliath is saying this. And he says, your God is dead. He won't deliver you. Send out your best warrior. If I kill him, then you get to be our servants. If he kills me, we be your servants. And David, what does David do? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, like, say it again. Say something. I come across this Bible, snatch that head. Say it again. David's a ride or die. You know, David's down for anything. I like David's. Not all of us are like David. You know, some of us are like, go David. (laughs) David. Got some more rocks if you need them. Ministry of Helps, you know. <laughs> David, and so as he says that, he says, "Say it again." You know, he's talking trash to this to this diatribe, right? All of a sudden, the guy, the army, hey, David, come over here. Listen, 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 listen. I don't know if you know that, That's a giant over there. I don't care who it is. No, no, you don't understand. he had been doing that for forty days. Look at how big that dude is. he had been doing that for forty days. Do you know the king even said that you will get you will get money? Or I'm sorry, you will marry one of his daughters and not pay any taxes. If you kill that giant over there. Now, David's a businessman. Businessman, He says, wait, 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 say that again. This guy says, listen, David, if you kill that giant, you're going to get some money and a honey if you kill that giant over there. <laughs> so David's like, let's do it. I'm here. Let's do it. God's with me. So he walks into King Saul's camp, right? Where's King Saul? Hiding in his tent. And he comes in and and King Saul says, there's no way. You're you're just a boy. And he's been a trained man of war since his youth. And David, what does he do? He says, the God who was with me when I killed the lion and the bear will make this giant just like one of them. Now, this is interesting to me. Notice that David didn't point to his talent. He said, "Hey, you never see me throw a rock. Are you following me? What did he do? He pointed to who his source was. It was the God of heaven and earth. It was the God of Israel. And he's the same Jesus today that's working on your behalf. You have to learn to guard your source. If you want to distinguish yourself. You know the real reason why some people don't get jobs is because they don't have that favor on their life. Because they're not guarding their source. What puts your resume at the top is when you begin to give your life everything in your life to God. I like what Edgar said, this, this place has done everything for me. His word was everything. It is everything. It's going to take everything. It'll cost you everything, but you'll be rewarded in every way, in everything. Are you with me? It's time to guard our source. I'm here to lift your heads. I- I'm tired of Facebook profits. It's amazing how many Facebook profits we have. Blood Moon this and half this and all this kind of other stuff and, and uh, you know all these doomsday prophets. It's easy to type in a prophetic word, but to stand on it. It's incredible. I get tagged in all this stuff because for whatever my following, they start tagging me on this stuff. I'm like, untag me like this. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not here to discourage the church. You think Jesus is gonna do I'm gonna make you feel miserable and we're gonna have revival? <laughs> Guard your source. Guard your source. David could not be tempted. So what does David do when he finds out the writing was, was uh, signed? What does he do? It says he goes in his upper room, verse 10 of uh, Daniel 6. He says, as soon as he heard the, uh, the decree was signed, he went into his room and he pr- opened the windows and he prayed three times that day. He didn't pray once, not just twice, but thrice. Are you following me? He played three times that day just to make sure everybody knew where he stood. What do they do? They take them into the lion's den. Listen, if you're going to distinguish yourself, number three, then distinguish yourself. Take action that's going to make it look different. Do things. Do things that, you, that were outside your normal. People ask me all the time, how, how do you live this radical life? Like, how do, you, how do you do that? Because my ordinary is radical. My normal is radical. It's just what we've grown into is just what we walk in. David, what, or Daniel, what does he do? He walks, they grab him, they seize him. Did y'all see the Bible series that came out about a year and a half ago? They had that scene that, David, or that Daniel's in there. You remember that? And they're trying to throw Daniel in the lion's den. And, and, I, and I appreciate the message behind the whole thing. This is not my critique of it. But I don't think Daniel went in like they portrayed it or like I've seen every other one. I don't think Daniel went in scared. You know, they're sitting there trying to push him in the den. He's like, no, no, I don't want to go in. No, I don't want to go in. I, I think Daniel walked with such a confidence in his God. They're like, He's like, open the door. You know, I, I believe he jumped in <laughs> or he walked over to a line and said, move, get out of my way. That's my spot. I believe that's the type of the person that Daniel was fearless, trusted his God. Why? Because Daniel knew what David knew when he sent it with Bathsheba he said, Lord, don't take away your presence from me. Don't take away my source. Daniel knew what Moses knew when God offered him the promised land, but, not, but God wasn't going with them. He said, if your presence does not come with us, then don't take us from, uh, from here. For how will the people know that we're different? Guard your source. Would you stand up with me this morning? When I say distinguish yourself, what I'm really asking is, is your relationship with the Lord strong? And are there areas that could be stronger? I'm not focusing on your weak areas. I'm focused on areas that are strong and areas that could be stronger. I believe that every one of us has this craving to see God move, not just in our day, but in our families, in our neighbors, on our campuses. I'm I'm talking about the type of move of God that it's undeniable that God is doing something I'm talking about the type of move where it shuts down cancer centers in a city because there's no more cancer because people are coming to the church to get healed. I'm talking about a day when there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no need for drug rehab centers because all the drug addicts walk into the church and they're getting delivered just like that and it's not taking 12 steps. The power of God is just moving because there's an authority that's coming back on the church. I'm telling you, Samson's hair is growing back on the church. I promise you that. And there's a fresh authority that's starting to brew inside of us. But we will never see that day if we don't guard our source. We must guard our source. So I want to pray over everyone in this place today. If you say, Pastor Chris, I want more. I want greater. Be stingy with God. This is the only place you can be stingy. Just have as much as you can. Never overdose on God. I have tried. You can never have too much. Can anyone ever have too much? He is too good. His presence is too sweet. His friendship is so sustaining. There is no one that will love you more consistently than God. Your own wife or husband, as much as they love you and devoted to you, cannot do what God can do. He is perfect and flawless in everything that He does. And he's, that is your source. He is undefeated. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He can create mountains if He wanted to. He tells the oceans how far they can go. He puts stars with His pinky in the sky. He can span the galaxy in between His hands. He even holds the future in His hand. He knows the end from the beginning. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He is faithful to complete the things that He starts in you. When Jesus said it is finished, what he meant is now the bridge has been made. You can have complete access to the one who has loved your soul before you sucked your first breath. This is your source. If you say, Pastor Chris, I need a refreshing. I want this. Would you put your hand on your heart? Father, I release a fresh invitation to encounter your presence. I believe in James 4, 8. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. That there is something we can do to initiate your very presence to come on our lives. And in this day, this day, we can look at it and say, oh, it's full of uncertainty. It's full of negative news and bad media, and things are quaking all over the world, and and things are shaking, and nations are falling and rising in a day, and we've got new expressions of evil and deception. But God, you're our source. And you are not surprised. You are never caught off guard. If we will lean more into you, you will stable us even greater. I call greater out of this house, out of every marriage, out of every family, out of every job that's represented, every assignment from heaven, every destiny in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord this morning? You can be seated. I just want to say a couple things to you. I, I, I this is my first time to this area and I feel such an attachment to it. It's incredible. I was telling my wife that I said, "Man, this is this is not. Y'all have good weather. Like in in Dallas, it's like a hundred and hell." Um, <laughs> and so here in uh, we were talking about this on the car. I said, "Man, it's it's this is perfect weather." I know I know I know what you're saying. Like, give it two months, but you understand? Like, I grew up in the desert, so I'm like, snow is like yes, but I'm sure I'd get you know whatever. So, but. I appreciate you letting me come and minister to not only these young people who've come, but even to you this morning. We have some resources out there. The Lord challenged us to start making these available. Um, I have a message here called, In the Meantime. I feel like, do you have promises in your life that are unfulfilled? Like you've been walking with a promise like Abraham or even like Zechariah, and you've been walking with a promise and you're waiting for God to fulfill it and you're kind of like, what do I do between when the promise is given and the promise is fulfilled? How many know that's the journey right there? That's the process, and many times we delay the fulfillment of a promise by the way we operate our lives, and this message is powerful because it's, it's all about learning how to wait, and I think a lot of times in the, in the world, waiting means you're slowing down, but in the kingdom it means you're speeding things up. And so, in the meantime, is a great message. We have this out on there on DVD and CD. But I really want to get to this. This is something that, that uh, the Lord's challenged us to make available. It's a curriculum called Limitless Influence. It's uh, 10 sessions on DVD with a workbook. And what, what we mean by Limitless Influence is I believe that there's a generation out there that needs greatness called out of them. I believe the greatest voice inside of a young person's life is not a youth pastor or a pastor. It's a parent. I think the greatest voice into a church is a pastor or a youth pastor, you following me? But I believe that we have to learn how to call, have this language to draw greatness to the surface, to call, to call the destiny to the surface. And many times we're we're watching our words shape the lives of our kids and many of those words can shape them into a godly man or woman or in the opposite direction. And I have found not only does this curriculum fit not just for parents but even church staffs. I've found uh, I had an oil company call me and say we need that curriculum. They bought all of our stuff and have been using that. I, had a, I said this yesterday. I had the a uh, mayor of a major U.S. city called me. I cannot say the city, but I promise you, you know this city. Um, and said, uh, "We want. I want to go through this because if it's good enough, and it can, if, if it can cross over like you're saying, I want to put it in every public school. I have watched uh, school districts in in parts of Louisiana begin to take this and put it in there, and their actions, the way that they're dealing with students in a public setting. This ain't ministry. This ain't church setting. It's incredible." And I, listen, I'm always, I believe that the greatest move of God needs to come through families and where moms and dads are speaking life and speaking language and calling it out of them. Now, we sell out of this all the time. I was in Boston on Friday night and flew in yesterday and we sell out of it all the time. So this is the only copy we have. So what we're doing is you can go and purchase this at the table and uh, you'll fill out a, 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 a shipping form and we will ship it to you for free. All right? We're going to pay for all of that so that you can have this in your hands, just like if you were bought it when it was here. All right? But this is huge. This is a game changer for families, for staffs and companies and churches, for school districts, for teachers, everything. This will bless your life. Listen, thank you so much for letting me come this morning. i just leave my peace here and leave my blessing on you. Thank you so much for receiving me and being so honorable. Pastor Darrell.
0: Thanks, Pastor Chris.